Welcome back to the Carb Appropriate Podcast. It was my pleasure on this recording to speak with Julian Mitchell. Julian is one of the founders of the Lifecycle Company, one of the premium suppliers of mushroom products in the Southern Hemisphere. Julian comes from a physio background but moved into mushrooms as he became very excited about them as many of us have. Uh, Now we have an amazing discount on mushrooms from Lifecycle for you guys. If you go to nutritionstore.online and use the code CA, all in capitals, CA hyphen shrooms, so that's all in capitals, CA hyphen S-H-R-O-O-M-S, at nutritionstore.online, you'll get a massive 25% off all Lifecycle products on your first purchase. So sit back, relax, and excuse some of the tech difficulties that Julian and I had, and enjoy this discussion on mushrooms and mycology. Welcome to the Carb Appropriate Podcast. I'm your host, Cliff Harvey. This song don't give a damn. If the rhymes don't fit with the DJ, quit. This song don't give a damn. You can't sing or dance to it, can't romance to it. This song ain't arrogant. If you don't try and buy it, or if your radio denies it, don't care about what who got what's cool on TV or what spots hot. Welcome back to the Carb Appropriate Podcast. I'm stoked today to be talking to Julian Mitchell from Lifecycle. Um, anyone who's listening into this will understand why I'm excited about talking to Julian. Uh, I'm a big fan of mushrooms, have been for quite a few years now. Um, I, I originally was interested in mushrooms when I was studying naturopathy probably 20 odd years ago as part of my uh, initial undergrad. And you know, there was a lot of research at the time, there was a lot of traditional use, but like a lot of things, I think familiarity breeds contempt, and I probably fell out of the mushroom sphere a little bit. And like many people, it was a couple of years ago, there were a lot of, uh, you know, influencers, life hackers, biohacker type people, uh, particularly in the States, who started talking a lot more again about mushrooms. And so I started looking at the research that had been done in the intervening years, and there was, suffice to say, a lot. Um, so I got really excited about mushrooms again and started using them. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm involved with Nutrition Store Online, which distributes Lifecycle here in New Zealand. And so it's great to be talking to Julian, who's one of the movers and shakers in the mushroom world in Australasia. So welcome, Julian. Thanks, Cliff. Yeah, I came to, uh, to chat mushrooms always. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, you've got an interesting backstory because you started out as a physio, right? H- how did you become involved with mushrooms from there? Yeah, I guess it was uh, yeah a physio working in, in England in the, in the Premier League, and that was sort of something I was passionate about was elite sport. And I guess that led me down the path always lead to nutrition, as you know yourself, in terms of um, you know living a, an optimum life and being healthy and feeling good. And so looking at things that we weren't tapping into, like you said, sort of that ancient wisdom, you know, naturopathy have been um, talking about mushrooms for a long time, and it's just, I guess, how do consumers and, and friends and myself have access to good uh, medicinal mushrooms or functional mushroom products? And I guess at that time when we first started, we saw the boom in CBD and hemp and, and just the boom and the evolution of people thinking about natural products uh, as, a, as a solution to health in the health and wellness space. And so mushrooms, we started reading about, learning about, started growing mushrooms off coffee ground um, to feed you know, the people of Perth where we started and, and Fremantle and, and then very quickly understood the infinite applications and benefits of consuming these mushrooms uh, in a micro level on a daily basis and begun formulating extracts and powders and, um, and then growing these um, now headquartered in Byron Bay, where we um, have a team of scientists and, and a great team producing these extracts um, for Australia and, and other countries such as New Zealand. 
Yeah, so I mean, there, there's a lot to unpack there because you've obviously got a pretty cool backstory yourself, but also, you know, the, the company has a pretty amazing backstory. So what was the sort of aha moment for you? You know, you've, you've said that you started becoming interested in this stuff in general, but was there any one moment that really sort of catapulted you into the mushroom world? It was a moment where we sort of were scanning and we sort of thought, okay, well, renewable energy seems to be on the right track with solar and wind and and other solutions, but what does the future of feeding 9 billion people look like and how do you do that sustainably? And no one was really, you know, and there's a lot of urban agriculture conversations and, and leafy greens, and that's great. Um, but, you know, what is that protein source, that really nutrient-dense source of food that we can substitute quickly and naturally without thinking of things growing out of a lab, like you may be seeing in Silicon Valley at the moment, a lot of lab-based meats and things, and all very interesting but working with nature I think is really at the core of what we believe in and so mushrooms are just a perfect substitute for those you know, carbon heavy footprint foods um, that also have you know many reasons as to why we shouldn't be having them deforestation etc etc so mushrooms from an aha moment were okay can be grown in urban environments can be grown from waste products no need for deforestation very low water and electricity use I mean, talking less than a residential home to grow a commercial output to feed a community or a town and no chemicals required. So it was just ticking all of those boxes and no one was really doing a lot in this space. Um, and so we thought, okay, let's, let's hone in on mushrooms. And that was three and a half years ago. And at that point, uh, working as a health professional, leaving uh, our jobs, Ryan and I, to grow mushrooms, um, you know, comfy environments, health consultants, good roles, um, comfy life. To go grow mushrooms, everyone thought we were crazy, um, which we probably thought ourselves that we were. Um, yeah. but, you know, now it's definitely moving into the, the shroom boom, which is great because that's what we sort of hoped would happen. And people are um, wanting healthy options like mushrooms, both as a food, but also as a, a human optimization piece in their smoothies, in their coffees, uh, in, their, in their shakes and things like that. So yeah, we're excited that... Um, you know, things have unfolded the way we, we hope they would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th th there's, again, so much going on in that space, right? I mean, I I've been really blown away, having been in the nutrition world for 22 years now, right? I've been in practice for over two decades, uh, you know, done master's degree, PhD, the whole sort of lot in, in nutrition. And... Even now I go back and look at some of the research on, on mushrooms, even the common, you know, field mushroom, portobello and things like that. And I'm blown away by the nutrient density of fungi. It's, it's crazy. And I think we can often forget about it, both as naturopaths, nutritionists, whatever. We can forget on how many levels mushrooms are working from nutritionally through to medicinally. And then all the other stuff that you mentioned as well with ethics and sustainability. So your, your story there is pretty interesting. Are you guys still growing mushrooms on the coffee grounds now? Absolutely, yeah. So we have, I guess, one of our, our key areas is still that same mission and vision, which is how do you uh, produce low-carbon footprint food that is a perfect substitute for meat and for other you know, industries. And that's not saying we need to cut that out altogether. Um, it's just saying we need to think smarter and grow food for bigger populations that, uh, you know, is sustainable for the human diet and for the planet. And so we grow, we now have 61 growers across Australia. Oh, wow. That grow for their community. So we enabled 61 farmers, essentially. Um, understanding we didn't want to just be the only grower in this space and we didn't believe in having one big um, farm. We believed in having a decentralised network of farms across Australia. And so we have these farms in, you know, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, major cities, but also in rural towns. And so now they you know, sell their mushrooms to local cafes, restaurants, communities, neighbours, farmers markets. And so that's something we are very focused on still doing and are very passionate about doing that and rolling that out into North America uh, later this year. Um, so that's exciting. And that's all grown off coffee ground and even the mushrooms that we put into our extracts, our liquid extracts, are all grown in northern New South Wales in pristine environment of Byron Bay. Uh, Byron Bay, I have never been to New Zealand, but I know and understand New Zealand to be you know, very high calibre in terms of its you know, 
it's ethos on food, it's ethos on sustainability, it's understanding of eating locally grown food. Um, so Byron Bay is very much in alignment with that. Um, so that's where we grow our food and our mushrooms, uh, particularly for our extracts. And that's pretty unique, right? I mean, I've, I've obviously been involved in the, the supplementation business for a long, long time. I mean, I'm an owner of several, or part owner of several supplement companies, and it's very rare to have that you know, locally grown, ethically grown, organic, sustainable, all those things basically encapsulated in one. I imagine that was a very difficult thing to, to get set up initially. It's definitely a lot harder. Um, but <laughs> yeah. definitely, I guess it has its benefits as well um, in the sense that we believe in, in the potency and, of our products and the benefits of them because we have a biotechnology engineer and a nanotechnologist. And, you know, I'll be honest, three years ago, I didn't know what either of those two job professions meant or what they do um, but they work in our laboratory creating the cultures which then is almost like the seed for our mushrooms and just growing optimum uh, healthy environment mushrooms which then that potency carries over into the products and just understanding that whole supply chain and I think the more you can be uh, up front and tell that story uh, from, from seed to uh, end product you know, you can, be tr- you can trust your product and you can, I guess, have trust from consumers because of that, and that's what we believe in. And it's just, again, building a company, building, a, uh, I guess, a supply chain that we believe in and that we would want to see as a customer when I'm yeah, buying yeah. products, whether that's you know, hemp seeds and things like that, that's what I'm looking for personally, um, is that whole supply chain. And I just think transparency now that we have social media, um, you know, if you're not transparent, then it's very hard to win trust and... Uh, and there's always questions around that because there's been a history of of companies maybe potentially you know, not doing things the right way um, and leading consumers down the wrong path. But I think everyone's well-meaning, and I just think yeah, that's the future of of food is uh, that vertical integration um, from not just being a, a marketing company, but from being a farmer as well. So you know, at the at the crux of it all, we are mushroom we're mushroom growers, mushroom farmers. Um, but it's under the, the, the guise of biotechnology, and biotechnology can mean many things. It can mean GMO cropping and GMO foods, and but for us it means working with nature, uh, facilitating natural processes as much as possible, adding the least as possible to our products, um, and so we don't have any, any numbers or anything on the back of our packaging. It's all, you know, whole foods, whole fruiting bodies, all of those things that... Uh, carry the, the potency yeah and, and you mentioned before that you're enabling other people to grow as well and that that's a pretty interesting business model because some people might say you're you're practically enabling people to compete with you is that what the national mushroom network is is that the whole sort of mandate of of that particular aspect of your business yeah it's about understanding how do we like very quickly overnight go from having so much carbon foot, heavy footprint foods to having the solution, because when I worked, after being a physio working in the Premier League, we worked as health consultants, Ryan and I, and we were advising on what to eat and, and things, but I guess then we stepped into the fact of, okay, we need to provide that solution as well. And yeah. so how do we provide that solution tangibly um, for Australians so we can hopefully, you know, we've got 61 growers, but hopefully by the end of next year we'll have 150 across Australia, and so most people can go in their local town, in their, in their city or their community, okay, there's a National Mushroom Network grower. I know that food was, those mushrooms were growing close to here from coffee waste, very little water use, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a healthy substitute to put into your risotto, to put into your stir-fry, to put into whatever it may be. Um, and so empowering the network, um, I think, helps, helps our business rather than, yeah, like you said, are you empowering competition? We don't see it that way. We see it as mushrooms needs to grow significantly uh, into the human or into our diet and into our access in the sense that people can access them wherever they are easily for the right price. Um, So we'd rather be a a mover in that space rather than thinking this is our pie, we've got to hold on to this pie. Let's grow the pie in the sense of more mushrooms, the better. (laughs) Yeah. Because mushrooms... I mean, are they relatively easy to grow? Because I've read a little bit about mushrooms, obviously, and 
it seems sometimes when you're reading mushroom growing guides and handbooks that it's actually pretty complicated. Is that fair or is it actually an easy thing to do? That probably links back to um, these, these very foreign names, biotechnology engineer and nanotechnologist. And, uh, you know, when Ryan and I first started, we were growing, uh, you know, in our, in our garage and then in, in, in the wine, vacant wine cellar we had in the house. And uh, many, many problems, many issues, many issues of contamination, throwing a lot of uh, substrate away and, and making many mistakes. And then we refined that process, but then going to a, a, a better level and getting consistency and having that commercial model, which definitely required a lot of science. And so we don't lead that space now. We're in, but we are very well across, you know, the, the processes within growing from coffee ground. And there's been a number of, of companies around the world growing from coffee ground. And many over time have, have moved away from coffee ground because it's very problematic. Um, oh, but yeah. the reward is there in the sense that it's um, using a, a waste product and the, the mushrooms from raw reports from the chefs just have more density of nutrition, more flavor more structure and so there's definitely a, a big benefit in growing from coffee ground and so we persisted and we bring on expertise and um, we believe we've got the formula now and the, and the process down pat but yeah starting off it can be can be very hard <laughs> yeah and, and that same process is what you're enabling other people to do as well exactly yeah yeah okay cool so uh it's a pretty exciting time for mushrooms at the moment. What, what do you find most exciting about the whole mushroom movement? That's a great point. There's a few movements running parallel. Uh, yeah. Um, in the sense of a mushroom coffee or adding lion's mane to your smoothie and things for, for optimization of, you know, mental clarity and, and focus and better REM sleep, better deeper sleep. These benefits have been shown in the research for many years. I'm sure you've read it, you know. Yeah. Uh, over and over again and, and so that's coming to the forefront now it's, it's sort of the time you know, everything has its timing and it's and that's happening so that's exciting to see that happening and um and to be able to produce a product that we truly believe is is high quality um and and, and growing you know locally in byron bay uh is very something we're excited about but other than that the national mushroom network building a you know almost like a a blockchain meets airbnb in the fact that it's a decentralized network it's localized, um, not hierarchical. That's exciting, and people are going back to shopping at farmers markets. People are going back to knowing where their farm, where their food was grown. That's very important. People are asking those questions. And then you've got on the other spectrum, you know, great companies and research occurring in the sense of mental health, PTSD, depression. Um, you know, using these psychoactive mushrooms as a medicinal medical tool. That all that research is taking place now, and that. Uh, will build a body of evidence to then inform treatments of the future for PTSD, for depression. We're not doing anything in that space, but very aware of it, very interested in it in the sense of it's something that, as a society, we need to evolve, we need to look at, to these solutions. And so nature always has the solutions. It's just whether we're smart enough to apply them and adapt them in the right way. That's exciting. Um, but, yeah, it's also a matter of how do we move away from unsustainable methods and farming practices to feed ourselves, um, which is something we're very passionate about. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the um, psychoactive mushroom research. I'm, I'm fascinated, and I actually would love to move into that area uh, as I move into sort of further research after my PhD and things like that. And I, I think there's just so much potential there. What, what do you think is going to happen there in the next, say, five or ten years? Do you think we're going to see mushrooms actually applied for the treatment of depression or PTSD? Do you think there's actually going to be enough of a shift, particularly from a government level, in countries like Australia and New Zealand? I think Australia and New Zealand will be interesting to see. Uh, they're always, you know, um, a bit slower in adoption of everything, to be honest. Um, but, you know, in terms of bit more conservative and that's fine it's that's fine to, to do that and be in that space but the real push will come from canada um certain parts of california it'll really replicate what we've seen in medicinal um use of cannabis or marijuana yeah. for treatment and cbd oil but that's been been slow and conservative which is good for the science to build a body of evidence that is overwhelming and that's what's taking place now within mushrooms and so the next five ten years um we'll see more research we'll see a body of evidence that supports its application in whatever the tools it may be. But I've got you know, a range of friends that are psychologists and, and medical doctors and 
and they would like to have that as an option, as a tool, potentially, if the research supports it, um, because there's just a lot of people out there that um, are in a bad way, unfortunately, and, and maybe need other tools, and if you can have these tools and use them in, a, in the right way, and they've been validated through the right channels, and that's exciting, but uh, it, it's always a time thing, so it'll take time to develop, but going back to what you said about, it's a fascinating uh, that these mushrooms have these compounds. If we look back to penicillin, it saved over 200 million lives you know, yeah. from the fungi kingdom. Um, exactly. Cyclosporin, and so a lot of Western medicine uh, has its base in the fungi kingdom. And so this is just an evolution and an extension of that, but we went through a period of time where, you know, we had a lot of uh, misuse potentially or whatever it may have been, um, and then we, the science stores were closed on the research for this area. And so it's fascinating to, to watch from afar to see where that takes place. But Australia and New Zealand, I uh, can't speak on behalf of New Zealand, and for Australia, it's, uh, you know, we're still working through hemp and, and, and these things and CBD, but soon to follow will be the mushrooms. Yeah. Well, watch the space, I guess. It'll be very interesting. Yeah. I wonder, it, it almost seems like now with the greater acceptance of cannabis as you sort of alluded to that's opening the doors for a lot of other things and it's opening the doors for you know psychedelic research from lsd through to um you know other compounds like ketamine for depression through to obviously the psychoactive mushrooms i do wonder if in opening the door via medicinal cannabis into psychoactive mushrooms things like that people are actually going to start to look at some of the potential applications of this not just for treatment of illness because you know we're very mired in the pathology aspect at the moment and we'll start to actually look at the potential benefits just for you know well-being mm. or for for being able to to see a different perspective on life you know i know a lot of researchers in that space ha have been very vocal about that but obviously it's such a small area that it hasn't really got a lot of play uh, in the mainstream the, the reason i mentioned that and i don't want to sort of get too tangential but you know, I think so often we look at pathology and we look at health and basically being, you know, this idea of healthy is seen as being the end goal. But I don't think it can be because from my point of view, being healthy, having the foundation of health is really just the launching point for then going on and, and having more human potential, you know, leading a, an objectively desirable life. And then we've got to start sort of looking at, well, what the fuck is that? You know, what is an objectively desirable life? Well, it's one in which I'm happy, purposeful, passionate. You know, I'm seeing more than just all this mechanistic structural stuff. And I can't help but think the glimpses into something else that people get from psychedelics can play a, a really profound role in that if they're used, you know, appropriately and not just for an escape or, or for a diversion. I, I agree, and I, but I, I think also we need to get the base right. And the base Absolutely. is supporting um, with the products you have and that you're aligned with and, and your research that you're doing. And the, and the base is also just a matter of you know, biohacking our everyday through what are we putting into our body, what are we listening to on TV and on the radio, are we listening to TV? Um, all of these things is, is the base that we need to set the stage for. Yeah. Um, we can't jump to the top of the ladder of these other transformative, you know, experiences um, that, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, and have been spoken about, you know, from, from many, many people and, and throughout history. Fascinating, and I think evolution is a fascinating topic as to how do we want to evolve? You know, what does evolution look like for us? And are we evolving right now? You know, is our consciousness evolving? Are we thinking outside the box? Are we pushing reality to you know, the way we're living right now? Can we... Can we aim for a, a higher potential um, for all of us in terms of happiness, meaning, um, connection to nature, connection to our families, connection to our friends? I think there's a lot of improvement to be done in those spaces. And yeah. we need to move out of that reactive model of medicine, uh, which is go see a health practitioner or someone when you're sick. That's, that's I think, evolving anyway through the millennial generation and, and conversations that I'm hearing, you know, that not where people want to go and it's about unlocking our potential and so yeah what is that pathway to doing that definitely um 
the, the inquiry into and the research into those tools that you spoke about um, will be fascinating to see what happens there in the medical world. Um, but then on, on a day-to-day, what do we do right now? Well, it's about getting the base right through. And it's, we're seeing it now, which is great. Yoga, meditation, these things didn't really exist 10 years in the mainstream 10 years ago. Now we've got amazing apps and things. And so that's setting the stage for what will come. But building the base is important. Um, so we're mature in how we go about it. Yeah, it's a, you mentioned evolution, and you know there are obviously some interesting theories out there about mushrooms and human evolution. You know, from I think people like Paul Stamets and um, Dennis Leary and others have suggested that perhaps not just mushrooms, but a range of um, what would you call them entheogens from from plants and and fungi have played a role in changing our perception enough that that's been part of our conscious sort of evolution and has played a role in, in the development of human society. So it's kind of an interesting thing. And I wonder if um, perhaps there is some additional evolution that we could get out of that. This is, um, yeah, a very, it's very coming very topical. Michael Pollan's book, um, I can't recall the name of that, but he was talking a lot about exactly these plant medicines and tools that maybe were used or not maybe were used through shamanic history and if you tap into the Aztecs and the Mayans and all of these, you know, these historical stories, um, the use of plant medicines or whatever you wish to call them um, were used. Um, yeah. Of that, so it's fascinating. And so, yeah, um, how do we evolve? And what are, what is the goal? What are we aiming for as a society and as an individual? That's what we need to keep very front of mind. Mm. And that's, it's all pretty similar for all of us. It's about connection. It's about unity, it's about living a life of meaning, it's about living it from a place of love and removing, you know, greed, jealousy, hate, all of these, you know, um, emotions and feelings that aren't lifting our vibration um, to a place where we're happy. And so how do we cultivate ourselves and our own day-to-day practices to be in a place away from that and more towards those things I mentioned? Uh, And how do we do it at scale? How do we do it yeah. for nine billion people? That's, I think, something we should be aiming for. And so what leads us down that path? And let's focus on that. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And I think it's really interesting that, you know, we, as you mentioned, we have a much greater appreciation now of meditation, mindfulness, yoga, you know, all those practices that can be so critical for, for, for helping us to develop in that way. I also think that, there's also a, a really important role there for obviously nutrition and people don't always think that. I mean, it, it's clear to you and I, but a lot of people don't think that because they sort of see practices that have, have seemed to be fairly esoteric as different to the normal health stuff we do, like nutrition, for example, yeah. or supplementation. And I, I think that if someone, for example, tried lion's mane and liked it, and it was giving them those cognitive benefits and they were feeling better as a result, then basically everything else is going to be that little bit better. And so that's why, uh, you know, I always look at any supplement because, you know, obviously the, the mushrooms are often available to people in supplement form as a tool, you know, it's just purely a tool. It's not a must do, but you can get such profound results for it. I'm, I, I love Lion's Mane, just by the way. I, I fucking love that stuff. I think I've taken too many shots to, to the head from you know years of playing footy and boxing and wrestling and all sorts of stuff. And I, I notice a massive difference in my cognition when I'm taking Lion's Mane. And that to me was quite fascinating because as a bit of a skeptic, I can look at all the research and say, well, this looks really good because when I first began reevaluating mushrooms, I looked at lion's mane first, as a lot of people do. I did a little research review on it and I was pretty excited by the science, but I'm also very skeptical. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try this stuff and see what I think. And I was, I was blown away. Like I was seriously blown away. And I, I love lion's mane for that reason. Now, if I'm, you know, having to give a talk or, you know, I'm doing a lot of writing, things like that before jujitsu, I find I, I feel like sometimes if I have lines made, I'm in the matrix, you know, I'm just <laughs> smashing dudes and doing technical stuff and it's just easy. But, you know, did you find the same sort of thing when you started using mushrooms in that way? Absolutely. And, it, and it's that balance between like, it's good to be very 
I guess, self-aware. So testing it on yourself, reading the research, that's nice, but then trying it as well and marrying those up to see what benefits you get on an individual level. And when, when I first was, was having the, the lion's mane extract and in the, you know, adding it the liquid form, we just sort of thought, wow, that's... Um, I'm not sure if we are actually able to, you know, to recommend that or sell that because the the potency level of it was <laughs> very clear in in your thinking and your mental clarity and your focus and your ability to recall. And um, and that was, you know, I'm not a big seller of things. I don't like you know, to sell anything really unless I truly believe in it. And so that's that why we started mushrooms because we just believed in it so much and so passionate yeah. about it. And but we still come from a place of you know, see what works for you, everyone always, um, but the lion's mane is part of my daily rituals um, absolutely each morning. And what I've also found is uh, my REM sleep. This is something that we've had fascinating comments on from, from people you wouldn't expect, you know, middle-aged farmers and, and that older populations or people who are much more cynical and and uh, on these products have tried it and had great feedback. So we're growing in confidence. And Tom, our, our biotechnology engineer, I sort of describe him as a winemaker, but it's not about flavour. Um, it's about just creating the best products that we can create um, that are, you know, from where we source our water from so we source you know, free, fresh water from the, from the mountains around the Byron hinterland and just all of these you know, small elements go into making the best product that we can make and um, it's great to hear feedback like what you're saying about the lion's mane and how you're getting those results and you're noticing that benefit because that's, um, that's what we can, we can hope to achieve and I think a lot of foods can have these benefits um, but mushrooms are, can play a pretty special role, especially the lion's mane. The cordyceps is another favourite of mine. Have you been uh, noticing any benefits with the cordyceps? Yeah, I mean, if if I just want to get in, like get in the gym and smash it, I take cordyceps with my coffee. Um, if I want to be a lot more focused, sort of, you know, that real clarity of thought, then I I take lion's mane, and then obviously all the others as well. My, you know partner Bella and I are really, really into mushrooms. So we'll basically be taking, you know, all sorts of stuff, turkey tail and, um, you know, reishi and chaga and basically everything that there is. Do, do you have a, would you say you've got a favorite mushroom? Cause a lot of people do gravitate towards one or a few. I think just given uh, my day to day role, um, you know, juggling many things, many meetings coming, which we all do, to be honest, whether we're a mom at home or whether we're, uh, you know, doing a degree or whether we're, you know, a professional, we just want to feel and perform our best. And yeah. so lion's mane is just a matter of, it's a tool to help get into flow. Yeah. You know, I just feel like I'm in flow when I'm taking it. Um, and so that's, uh, that's something that, yeah, part of the day-to-day basis, I'm having that in the morning in my, in my coffee or my tea. But uh, even now I've reduced my coffee dramatically, just having lion's mane and cordyceps in the morning in a smoothie, um, I see amazing results. And I'm not seeing lag in the afternoon, which is important. You know, that between 2 and 5 p.m. where you may um, have those decline in energy and be less productive, you're just sort of flying straight through, which is nice. Yeah, we're, we're finding as well clinically the, a lot of the synergistic benefits of a lot of the new movement products. Um, I don't know if you you guys know, but I did my master's degree in medium chain triglycerides. So basically my master's and doctorate was in ketogenesis, eliciting ketosis and things like that. And we did some of the, um, well, it it was at the time, the only research that had been done on things like keto flu, but moving on from there, we've been working clinically a lot with traumatic brain injury patients and, um, you know, post-concussion and elite level athletes. And we're finding the combination of mushrooms, in particular lion's mane, with things like medium chain triglycerides or exogenous ketones, just a complete game changer. You know, the, the, the results we're getting with TBI patients from that combination of ketones and lion's mane is incredible. You know, people going from being debilitated sort of four days a, a week to being debilitated four days a month and then, you know, improving pretty rapidly return to play, return to work, all that kind of stuff. It, it's it's quite profound. And so I'm really encouraging a lot of our um, students at AUT to to start looking more at th- both those areas, both ketosis and, um, you know, ketosis, ketones and mushrooms, yeah. 
yeah. for a lot of those clinical outcomes. And so we're starting to see people from sort of physio backgrounds and whatnot really looking at that for return to play, return to work. And if I was a physio today, I mean, I would be practicing a lot different to what I was taught. And that's actually what our professor said, you know, if, if what I taught you today is what you're practicing in five to ten years' time, you're probably out of date. Um, that was probably <laughs> the wisest thing I learned at uni. It was things constantly are changing and evolving. You need to be doing that as a practitioner and even as an individual. And so I'd absolutely be recommending you know, work with stroke patients on my practice and different things like this. That nutrition piece in critical care and acute yeah. care and recovery, it's really not... Uh, there's so much opportunity for improvement in that space. And lion's mane uh, would be a, a huge part of that. And I think even, you know, turkey tail, there was an amazing study done with um, with Paul Stamets and uh, you know, the National, National Health Institute around turkey tail being used um, post-surgery and, and in conjunction with chemo to stimulate the immune system. Um, yeah. Or studies out on breast cancer. Very exciting stuff. Very early days. Um, we're not in the space of, you know, making claims and do, and... And, and that, but the research that's starting to support that is exciting, and that research that you've been uncovering is very exciting. We also had a, uh, a doctor who specialises in multiple sclerosis. We were sort of moving a lot of product through a cafe in uh, the outer regions of Melbourne, and we're like, you know, why, why is there so much lion's mane being sold here? It's just like strange, it's a small town. Um, but, you know, the, the local doctor is um, globally uh, one of the the leaders in multiple sclerosis and read a little, written a lot of books on multiple sclerosis and was, and was showing that um, he was getting good outcomes with that as a tool. And it's just one tool as a part of many things that you need to do for these treatment applications. But that's exciting and it's going to be great to see what yeah. that unfolds in the next 10 years. And I guess for, for the listeners that um, we have here now, it's really like on a physiological level what's happening with Lyme's mane. Well, our nervous system is like an electrical system, if you like, and it has that insulation around the cords, around the nerves around the brain and so as we're getting older or if we get a brain injury get we get inflammation and disruption to that myelin sheath which is that nerve mm. sheath around the nerve helping impulses and signals and sensory information and motor information um, be conducted and performed from the point of you know being able to feel sensation being able to squeeze and and things like this get disrupted through concussion even to the point where you know recall and memory gets disrupted as well and that's a huge issue in contact sports you know, long-term prognosis for these, these athletes in NFL and, and other things. So what can people do and what can the normal person do to optimise their nervous system and brain? Well, it's keeping a healthy nerve sheath around the nerves so they conduct really smoothly and that's what Lion's Mane's been able to sort of uh, show from a, an academic level and a research point of view that it helps remyelinate the nerve sheath, helping with smoother conduction of impulses, meaning more in tune with sensory information and, yeah. and motor output as well. And so, you know, if you see maybe your parents or you haven't had as much sleep one night and then you're like, okay, where do I put my keys or what was I going to do? Um, that fog um, can be removed and, and smoothed out with lion's mane, which is maybe what you're noticing as well. Yeah, and also, uh, I mean, just the, the even the gross effect of, you know, gross neurogenesis. I mean, when I studied first time around, when I did my first undergrad back in the late 90s, we were basically told, as I'm sure, you, you, I don't know when you studied, but you may have been told the same thing, that basically once you destroy neurons, they're gone. Mm. You know, and there, there's no opportunity to regrow them. And now we know that that's not correct. And we know that not just neuroplasticity occurs, you know, that rewiring of, you know, for lack of a better term, that sort of rewiring of the neural pathways after injury, but there is some degree of neural repair and neural regrowth as well. And that occurs, you know, there was a study that came out, I think two weeks ago, that occurs right up till the, you know, very old age as well. So this is crazy because it can occur and we've got things like lion's mane, which will increase neuroregenerative factors, neurogenerative factors. And um, to, to me, that's a, that again is a game changer because we're seeing so much application for not just injury, but long-term damage as well. And I think, you know, it, it will be very interesting to see what occurs in the space of Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, Parkinson's disease, things like that, because I think we're already beginning to see, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we're already beginning to see some emerging research in those areas as well. There is. There is some good research, and uh, it's just focusing on focusing down on these applications and these, these, this research coming through, and it takes time, but the early signs are very promising. And so 
yes, it's think, rethinking how what's medicine of the future going to look like, what's health and wellness going to look like in the future, and you know, other tools, the the CBD oils of the world, and these things, they all have their place, and it's um, it's great that we're moving into that becoming the forefront of of research. I don't necessarily want this to be a Lion, Lions Mane fanboy no, club, but I will tell you one other thing. Well, we, we love Lions Mane, and it's like <laughs> our most popular product. Um, we do. Lions Mane liquid extract is just like, you know, we can't make enough of it, which is exciting because, you know, we sort of brand our, our liquid extracts as unlocking humanity's potential because that's what we believe they're doing. You know, they're, they're a, yeah. a daily base builder to having a great day, to feeling your best, being in flow. We just If we can have more people in flow which requires a number of things, you know, from what you eat to meditation to presence and all of these things and, and doing something that gives you meaning. If we have more people in flow, then we have, uh, you know, just a happier society because that's where happiness stems from. It stems from having meaning in your life. And so by doing and being in flow, um, you can see that and you feel that in people and it's exciting. Yeah. Here's something that might be of interest to you. Where a colleague of mine and I are looking to publish a medical case study of a um, a patient with ADHD who was replacing Ritalin with um, a, a combination treatment based on lion's mane and getting absolutely fantastic results. So we'll, we'll probably write that up as a case study initially and then use that as a hypothesis for potentially some further research. But, I mean, that would be, if that hypothesis turned out to be true, man, that would be an awesome medical intervention because I personally think Ritalin long-term is, is pretty horrible stuff. You know, we see pretty big depletion in people we see a lot of rates of you know fatigue and burnout and all sorts of things because you're taking a stimulant um if we can replace that with something that you know is safe and effective and can improve that clarity and thought um probably to a greater degree then that would be super exciting that's very exciting yeah that's um and you're, you're at the cusp of, of seeing this research and carrying it out so it's um and the work you're doing is very important and we need more of that work being done, more of that scientific inquiry um, to, to show these opportunities. And it's just really looking at, being honest with ourselves, what's not working. <laughs> what's not yeah. working and uh, let's try and get everyone to a, a happy, healthy place as best as possible and be honest with what's working and what's not. You know, we know we went through that time uh, with the food pyramid, which was you know a bit of a disaster where we had not sure if you had it in New Zealand, but it was definitely across America, <laughs> Canada, and Australia, where we had like six to twelve yeah. of bread and flour and rice and things at the bottom of the food pyramid. It's like, and that's just been a disaster for human health. Uh, and so, we need to be honest with ourselves when things aren't working. When we see obesity rates rising at the at the rate they were, and heart disease and diabetes, we need to um, reflect on that. And you know, if we've got a lot of a population that are mentally unhealthy, that's that's the measure of society not doing the right thing. So how, how can we move that um, towards the positive thing? And as I said, like those yogas and meditations and, and eating high vibrational food that's growing locally, um, these are the things that we need to incorporate into our everyday. We need yeah. to have a toolkit for human optimization. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. And I can't help but think that you know, what, what we've seen here in particular is that most of the growth in the, the use of mushrooms, the new sort of movement of mushrooms, has been driven by people, it still is here, driven by people who are that sort of, you know, life hacker, biohacker type person, the real early adopters. And we're still in that phase in New Zealand of real early adoption. And one thing that baffles me a little bit is there's not a greater uptake yet with naturopaths, nutritionists, you know, health practitioners really looking at the research and understanding the, the benefits of mushrooms as medicine or mushrooms as nutrition. Is that something you've seen or is that something that's probably specific to New Zealand at this stage because we're probably a little bit behind the, um, you know, it behind the times? It starts in pockets and there's, I think there's pockets around the world that influence like the, a lot, uh, the large portion of where things are going to roll out. You know, if you look at you know, Silicon Valley is an example in software and hardware and all the, like, just a hub of companies that have changed the way we operate on a daily basis. 
Well, Silicon Valley, I mean, is a hub for a lot of this stuff too, right? I mean, a lot of the early adopters for nutritional movements, for mushrooms, for supplements are, are in that set. Absolutely. And so, you know, there's those hubs, you know, I think Amsterdam would be a hub. I think California and parts would be a hub. And I think Empire Bay is very quickly becoming a, a Silicon Valley of food um, because there's amazing other products around there and the local ecosystem there gets it. You know, you don't have to talk to them about mushrooms. They've known mushrooms for 20 years. Yeah. It's something that's growing locally and that they can, you know, they're probably the, one of the harshest critics is our, is our neighbours and our local community, which is great because it makes us raise the bar um, for the rest of, of the world and set that, set that standard. But um, it definitely happens in pockets. Uh, there's that early adoption, then there's that sort of lag period, that plateauing, and then it really gets that mass adoption. And so, you know, maybe cafes or shops that, you know, we were talking to 12 months ago were like, oh, no, we don't really see this fitting into our, you know, store. And now they're, yeah. now they're all calling up saying, okay, you know. And so there's just a different period of lag time depending on what people are consuming in terms of information and where they're consuming that information from. Um, but, you know, if you listen to Joe Rogan, if you listen to Tim Ferriss, if you listen to, you know, yourself, if you listen to, you know, the, the leaders such as Dave Asprey, these guys are, you know, are the ones out the front pushing the envelope in terms of this is where we need to go, guys, which is exciting because these guys have huge audiences and then it follows from there. But is it dripping down into the medical world, into the professional world? Not yet, um, maybe because that moves slower. Um, yeah. It takes the people up the front and also they're very busy. You know, I remember being a physio. It's very hard to keep up with the research. And so if they can plug into a podcast such as yours to get that download, amazing. <laughs> so on, on that note, as it starts to drift out into health practice, ha have you seen that, you know, that there are mistakes that people are making with mushrooms or do you think that there, um, there are sort of common things that people are maybe missing the point of when it comes to the use of mushrooms? Well, for our, yeah, I think um, for our use of, of mushrooms, it's really just, uh, you yeah. An application for increasing one the flavour of your product um, or the flavour of what you're consuming, um, and giving that that, that mushroom you know flavour with the lion's mane like a multi caramel flavour, which is nice. And they all have a different distinct um, edge to them. Um, but then it's also a matter of yeah, just how are they optimising that health and wellness space and that preventative yeah. space of health that we're hanging out and that's all we're very focused as a as a business in that space, but. In terms of, I guess, that, you know, can it treat this or can it treat that, it's very early to say um, definitively because I guess you need to go through those heavy-duty research and, and, and see that and it just takes time. Yeah. On that. Those early studies that you've been showing, very exciting. Um, and I thought it's, it's, not, it's not being religious to science either. That's the balance. Yeah, uh, um, and it must be in a double-blinded RCT, you know, randomised control trial, and it must be this and it must be that, because there's also bias, a lot of biases within science, and that's yeah. what we've been able to show over the last, or see over the last 30 years, is that you know there's been the influence of big business on science, um, and so we really just, as individuals, as consumers, the healthiest thing we can do is question. Yeah. Uh, question. Try for yourself, see if it works for you, um, rather than stumble blindly into into the, the traps of marketing. Yeah, um, that's one thing that, as a consumer, that I would you know, propose to other people, and I think we're naturally doing that now because we're just not finding results um, with certain things. So that's good. Yeah, and I, I think there's an aspect there of of that desire to thrive, right? You notice that a lot of those people you mentioned, like, you know, uh, Joe Rogan and Tim and um, Dave Asprey, they are the, the archetypes of that, you know, the people who want to truly thrive and they want to get every little benefit that they can. Now, obviously, we need to be circumspect because we want to make sure what we're taking is safe. Apologies. And, the friends are not sure if they're coming through on the podcast. But oh, they, they will be, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. We'd expect that. Anyone from Australia that we talk to, there's always got to be like a galar or something in the background <laughs> yeah so it's it's an interesting um sort of interesting process 
like I mentioned before, where if there's pretty strong, even if it's preliminary, pretty strong evidence for something, and then you also notice benefit yourself, the other aspect should be, well, what has this thing been used for in the past? Or, you know, has it got a long history of use? Is it a traditional medicine? Things like that. And where it is, then we can typically assume that it's going to be relatively safe, right? If it's been used for thousands of years. And that's the key. So when I'm looking at something like that, I think, well, it's probably safe. In all likelihood, it's completely safe. Plus, we've got this cool evidence and it makes me feel a particular way why wouldn't i want to get that little bit extra performance yeah yeah absolutely and and we and it's just about going back to natural processes and and i think from a nutrition point of view it's just uh keeping it keeping the, the rules and i have followed different restricted diets through my you know early 20s and things and and i guess it all comes back to you know so exactly, marrying all of that up, it just doesn't make sense to be consuming that. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to be consuming something on the back of, with all these ingredients that I cannot pronounce or understand where they, what they are or where they come from. Um, so just making sense of it, I guess, is, is what you're saying. And I think absolutely that's, um, that's important. So... Given that you've done a lot of reading in this space and you know, obviously had to have a pretty steep uptick in terms of your own education, who have been some of the people that you've read most about mushrooms and who are your sort of go-to experts for, for mushrooms? Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, where did we start? We started with um, there's, there's Jeff Chilton, there's Paul Stamets, there's this, uh, you know, this generation of amazing people doing amazing work in mushrooms. Uh, and then there's scientists doing work around the world, um, and then even you know, internally, um, you know, our, our two scientists within our team um, doing amazing work as well. So they've been good guiding posts for all of those that science community. Um, and then it's really also learning from other industries, to be honest, as to um, you know, the, the CBD space or the hemp space or um, you know, LG farm. So in terms of technical farming, what can we learn about other operations and how to do that the best? And then from a, from a scientific point of view, it's been, been those guys. And to be honest, within the science community, within mushrooms, it's names no one's ever heard of. Um, these guys doing great science, but um, all they want to do is science, but they want to be in the space of marketing. So they do less of that. Um, but you know, from all around the world, Japan, China, um, you know, Eastern Europe, Western Europe, uh, many scientists putting out great research in the space of polysaccharides, beta-glucans, all these medicinal compounds, which, to be honest, we know very little about right now. We know that mushrooms, from a, a compound point of view, are non-specific immunomodulators uh, in the sense that they, they increase the software or update the software of your immune system. So if something comes into your immune system that's foreign, it's very quick to identify it. It's very quick to deal with it, um, to say yes or no. <laughs> almost like immigration. Um, yeah. You know, are you coming into this body or are we not letting you in? Um, that's what mu- we know mushrooms do at a cellular level to our immune system. They upgrade the software. They upgrade the intelligence so we can identify who's allowed in and who's not allowed in. And this is what cancer does. Cancer essentially is something that, you know, it mirrors one of our human cells and so, we, so that it, I guess, tricks our immune system into saying, oh, yeah, you're okay, you're one of us. Yeah. Um, but then over time, it you know it builds its uh, its army and it uh, metastasizes into an issue that can overwhelm our immune system. So um, that's an in- interesting way of I guess the science and where it's up to. And we just look at all the science. Um, you know, we're quite um, you know, we're not. There's some great debates out there you know, between fruiting body and mycelium, and um, you know, I think all pl- all places have their role to play. We're not sort of you know assigning ourselves to one line of thought, we're just looking at the science critically and knowing that science evolves and so we don't want to hang our hat on one way of thinking about that. We want to take all of the science and how do we integrate it all evenly because there's so many smart minds out there. And that's what I've learned, I guess, through my own eating habits and patterns. What I preached or thought was right 10 years ago is definitely not right now. So I'm cautious of that. Um, I don't want to be a a preacher of a certain way that's very definitive 
and attach my own identity to that because what happens in five years' time when science evolves and we have tools that we didn't have to measure things we didn't know existed. So that, um, I guess, for us, it's, we're part of the science community. We're the, we're, we have patterns on what we do. We're putting out our own research in this space and um, I think open sourcing that information and sharing and working with a lot of other scientists is only going to help us um, produce better products and, and help develop uh, this mushroom movement. Yeah, I think that's a really, um, it's a really pragmatic way to look at the, the topic of, you know, mushrooms as nutrition, mushrooms as medicine, and that translates across herbal medicine in general, I think. Uh, are we getting some feedback yet? Um, I think that's on my end, but um, the birds have stopped, so maybe that they were they were helping. <laughs> because uh, you know what we often see with a lot of things is that we try and specify the exact compound that is giving the benefit. You know, we isolate that and we use that, and then we realise that there are a whole range of other things from the plant or from the mushroom that were also giving benefit. And so I think, you know, when we're looking at these complex things, I mean, you know, there, there are how many, there's hundreds or thousands of identified compounds in, in mushrooms, right? And when we're looking at the mushrooms across the board, all the various types, I've been really fascinated by the crossover in activity between them all. You know, we think about something like lion's mane for the brain because we simplify it for people. Say, you know, if you want focus and cognition, lion's mane is probably the one to go for. If you want just pure energy, maybe cordyceps is the one to go for. But underlying all of that, they all have benefits for reducing oxidative status and, you know, are anti-inflammatory and a lot of them have anti-diabetic um, properties and all sorts of things. And that translates across all of them. And I think if we try and specify too much the particular compound that gives us the benefit that we associate with that mushroom, we'll then lose all the rest. And I think that's probably fair to say about isolating one part of the one part of the, the fungi as well. Uh, and I know yeah. I mispronounced that as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and typically biotechnology engineers and nanotechnologists um, work in, in the medical world developing, you know, therapeutic medications and that's what they spend a lot of their time doing uh, and the premise there is what is that compound what is that single compound that is causing that effect and I think you know humans have been a bit um, overconfident with that to say that oh we can identify the compound that does that we just don't know the synergistic effects that are having within yeah. the whole complex of this compound this compound this compound and if you just choose one what happens and do you get a side effect if you're just choosing one well yeah but commonly you do have side effects attached to it so I guess we're just taking a humble approach um, to knowing, not being able to identify that and think that that's the path forward. The, the path forward, like you said, is that synergistic effect. But fascinated by that synergistic effect that comes with having, for example, um, some lion's mane with some B3 or some lion's mane with what you were speaking about with ketones or some, some lion's mane or some cordyceps with some hot dark chocolate. You know, that's what I've got here, lion's mane and ketones. And MCT oil, you know, so amazing. Like those, that's uh, where we want to be hanging out and identifying those synergistic patterns, not trying to isolate it down to one compound, which commonly in the world of mushrooms gets isolated down to beta-glucans. And, and nanotechnologists yeah. is doing a PhD on beta-glucans right now. And, you know, the conclusion really within the scientific community is that, you know, as I mentioned before, as a whole, they upgrade the immune system software. <laughs> so you can be better at identifying... Uh, you know, bacteria or issues that may come in and that may lead to a cold or flu or may lead to you feeling run down and that's because your immune system is overactive and, and you know, using all of its energy to fight off this, this foreign, you know, infection or whatever it may be. But beyond that, we can't be precise and, and confident enough to say beta, this beta-glucan does this because there's, there's so many. And so going back to the research part, which I think is a story forever and always, is that there's always more research to do what we know now, we probably will be wrong in a few years' time or, or later on. And so what do we go back to? We go back to where was it grown? How was it made? Um, do I feel good having it? Um, et cetera, et cetera. That's sort of where we like to um, work from. Yeah. So I know you alluded to a few of the things that you do with mushrooms early on in the cast, but to sort of summarize 
for a lot of the people out there how you can use mushrooms. How do you use mushrooms on a day-to-day basis? Like in what form and when do you take it? So run through a day for us. Yeah, sure. So um, I have access to a lot of mushroom products. That's great. <laughs> never, never short of that in the cupboard. But um, really what I've sort of honed into what works for me is uh, you know, the lion's mane cordyceps liquid extracts I'm having uh, you know, each, each morning um, into a tea, a non-caffeinated tea or into even apple cider vinegar in the morning as a, as a first drink that I have on an empty stomach. Um, but definitely the cordyceps lion's mane on an empty stomach in the morning or into a tea. Um, and I do have a bit of like 90 to 95% cacao. With that, I find that gives a nice, you know, it has L-theanine in the, in the cacao, which is, um, you know, a cousin of caffeine. It's um, a lot gentler. But it does mm. definitely give an uplift of energy. And I think there is an amplification that I feel just subjectively. There's a amplification effect between those two but with the mushroom. You mean the- theobromine? Yeah. 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 And so um, then really, you know, mid-morning, um, I may have some, some turkey tail or mid-afternoon have some turkey tail and shiitake. So, you know, turkey tail is an amazing prebiotic. It's got the PSK and the PSP, polysaccharide crescent and polysaccharide peptide. These two compounds uh, help stimulate healthy gut bacteria at the core of it. And the shiitake is just, a, you know, I guess the easiest way to put shiitake would be a, a beauty mushroom that you find in a lot of Korean cosmetics, a lot of high-end Korean skincare um, for its Amino acids, so not amino acid, but amino, I-M-I-N-O acid. And this is a, you know, a building block for keratin. Keratin yep. is healthy nails, healthy skin. And finally, what I noticed, again, subjectively, um, it's just the, the speed in which your nails grow, the speed in which your hair grows, uh, and the strength with which you have in your nails is, I found fascinating with the shiitake. Um, Interesting. We get reported on. And it's just, and as we know, um, the shiitake mushroom has been a part of Know, Eastern diets for a long time for its, uh, its taste profile, its health profile. And so being able to have that in an easily accessible form um, mm. is great. That you know, there's huge questions and around uh, you know mushrooms coming from you know, fruiting bodies coming from from some countries such as China where you know they absorb their environment. Essentially, mushrooms yeah. are sponges of their environment, and so. Um, you know, being able to have it in a liquid extract form to get that dose, to get that, that those benefits um, growing from Byron Bay is something that we're very passionate about and believe is um, a good option for consumers. And then uh, the ratio is an evening one for me, so that's something I add to a tea in the evening. It's subjectively very calming, um, immunomodulating, so it supports stress, and um, that's something that I have each night. So that's, that's my day. But, you know, again, the cordyceps lines, man, I also tend to cycle in the sense of not having seven days a week. It's like caffeine. You shouldn't have caffeine necessarily seven days a week if you want it for its performance benefit. If you want it for yeah. its taste, have it all the time. Have four coffees a day. Have it before bed. You'll, you'll lose your sensitivity to it. But if you want to get the benefit of it from a performance point of view, um, don't have it all the time. Interesting. So that's a, a nice little summary. I think I probably do a very similar type of thing you know using lion's mane or i I actually alternate often between lion's mane and cordyceps like i said depending on what type of effect i want and then um through the through the day we'll typically alternate between um you know turkey tail reishi chaga and sort of to some degree just cycle through them just putting a squirt of of one or the other in in a smoothie or in a drink um that way we kind of figure we're not taking everything all the time um but we are getting that broad range of of benefits because obviously they cross over but they've got their specific benefits as well so that's a nice way to to tie everything off um i could probably talk to you for hours so i'd love to get you back at some point as well and next time without any tech difficulties um because it's a you're a fascinating guy to talk to and i I did want to say just at the end that i've been really impressed by the the commitment you guys have had to your your ethics your sustainability the quality of the product even with respect to things like your your packaging and you know having been in the supplement industry for a long time i know how difficult that can be because it's often costly to to take those ethical steps and people often don't realize that when they're just picking something off on a up on a shelf Um, so i really wanted to make a point that you know from basically coffee grounds through to your table 
uh, the, the the product I've been really impressed with having some background knowledge in this area of product development. So, you know, good work. You've, you've done a bloody good job with that product. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. It definitely takes a few more hours and a few more late nights as to, and a few more whiteboard sessions as to how you're going to solve it. But, um, yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, we've got to practice what we preach and, and also what we believe in. And, and so that, I think, hopefully carries through to the consumer noticing that at some point. But, um, yeah, it's something we're very passionate about is, is the circular economy, you know, not the linear economy where we're producing a good, we're using a good, and then it's going to landfill. Um, and it's out of sight, out of mind. It's how do we reintegrate that circle? So uh, we're, we're creating a wasteless society because if we're, if we're working in the world of mushrooms, um, you know, so I think we've just lost Julian. Um, he's frozen out there, but we were just coming to the end of our podcast anyway. So we'll call it a day. I want to thank Julian for being with us. Um, check out the Lifecycle products at nutritionstore.online. I'll be posting up a special for listeners of the podcast. So make sure you check out the audio or check out the video replay on YouTube. And you'll see that very special discount for Nutrition Store Insiders on Lifecycle products. That was the Carb Appropriate Podcast with me, Cliff Harvey. If you'd like to watch the live recording of the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Cliff Harvey. Find out about me and what I do at cliffharvey.com and make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all popular podcast channels and to our YouTube channel at holisticperformance.tv.